everybody. It is Mike Petralia, Trags, back with the first episode of the 2023 season of the Jungle Roar podcast. And it is my pleasure to kick this new season off with a bang with two of the people integral in a very interesting new book about Joe Burrow and his life. It'll be coming out uh, in April, and it's called From Bulldog to Bengal, The Joe Burrow Story Through the Eyes of His Hometown. And two people that were on the ground in his hometown are joining me here today. The author of that book, Scott Burson. Wave, if you will, Scott, just so people know. There you are. And... Uh, youth football coach Sam Smathers, Sam and Scott, welcome. How are you guys doing? Doing well, thank you. Thank you for having us, Mike. Appreciate it. Yeah, My good pleasure. To be, good to be here, Scott. What? Uh, let me start with you. Uh, very general question. What inspired the book? Well, it, it's really kind of interesting, uh, Mike. This book started out as not a biography uh, of Joe Burrow. It started out as a story of seven or eight prominent Athens High School graduates who've gone on uh, to na- great things nationally in different lanes. So Joe was going to be in the sports lane. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a, a lady by the name of Maya Lynn, who is internationally renowned. She's an architect. She's an artist. But when she was an undergrad at Yale, she actually designed the Vietnam Vet uh, War Memorial in Washington, D.C., uh, another guy that was going to be in it, Atul Gawande, he is a very well-known surgeon, New York Times bestselling author. He's in the Biden administration. Another guy, um, Bill Greer, he, uh, he's he been in the rock and roll business for many, many years. He used to, he played football at Northwestern, and he ended up being head of security for a number of rock and roll bands, and then he managed Ozzy Osbourne. If you can imagine some of the stories he has to tell, right? So that's how it all started. I went back to Athens. I grew up in Athens. I graduated in 1980, uh, but I've been out and lived in various spots. I'm a professor in Indiana now, but I went back to Athens, started interviewing people specifically about Joe. And I began to realize, man, I've got so many great stories. We could write an entire book on on Joe Burrow, and that's how how we got into it. But uh, to tell you a little bit about Sam, I spent an hour with Sam. And we, we spent time talking about Joey, but uh, we, we talked about all sorts of things. And we just connected. I felt like we had great chemistry. And I thought it, it would just be a great team to work on this project together. Sam, um, you obviously have some uh, great stories to tell about Joe's youth. And what I find interesting about the way Scott lays it out in the book is a lot of uh, really the formation or the rebirth, if you will, of Athens high school football really is centered around developing the young football player in Athens that was around Joe Burrow's age, about fourth or fifth grade. I'm, you know, ballparking here. Uh, but it it was fascinating to me that you have a place called the, um, obviously, uh, and, and no disrespect to those in Cleveland, the dog pound. You have the yeah. dog pound in the plains right across uh, from Athens High School. And what I found interesting was you kind of grew tired of watching one and eight and, you know, two and nine seasons and two one win, two win seasons. And you said you got, you know, the community together and a lot of uh, coaches together and from the from the area. And you decided, you know what, let's all sit down and decide and and make up a game plan of how we can improve high school football for Athens. And that is how the dog pound came to be. Can you tell us a little bit more about that, if I've even uh, articulated that correctly? 
Yeah, you're you're right, Mike. We um we've seen a lot of lean years in the '90s around here, and uh, so we didn't. You know, the teams we have five county schools in Athens, and most of them have youth football that feed their programs. Um, you know, Nelsonville, who won an '81 state championship, Tremble, who's been to the state championship a few times. Um, so, but you know, but they're predominant, and we don't have that. And uh, so, where's our feeder program? My son was coming of age to play youth football, and and so. Yeah, we we uh we we got into it, and uh, ironically, you know, Scott's father started um, organized football Saturday morning football here in Athens years ago, and my my brother-in-law played uh, football on Saturday mornings, and so when it went away, I didn't know anything about that part, but I just wanted to bring it back to try to build a feeder program um, for our high school boys, and you know, so they get the same terminology at a young age, and all the way up from third grade through sixth grade. And so you play third and fourth and you play fifth and sixth. And uh, so when it all transpired, you know, they started a program up. Uh, we got, we had a town meeting and all that stuff. And they started a program and I, you know, I went to coach and in the early 90s or mid nineties. And, uh, and then they, you know, sorry, our kids are done. So they kind of handed it over to me and I said, I'll take it over. And so I took over the youth Athens youth football program. And um, at one point in time, well, for many years, all the equipment was stored right here. So every year when we'd pass out equipment, the whole team would line up outside, come in this door to my left. I was going to say, let everybody know that you are actually in the dog pound. Yes, we're in the dog pound. This is it. I mean, it didn't, it didn't look like this back then, of course. But uh, so they'd come in one door, they'd get their helmets fitted. Whoever was doing it, Zide shut, you know, whoever was fitting helmets that year, we'd give them their equipment and they'd walk out the other door, the big door. And so, and at the end of the year, same thing. They'd line up, we'd turn the equipment in, we'd check it off, we'd take it. My wife would wash it, take it to the laundromat, we'd store it in totes up top. We hung the, we had shoulder pad racks, you know, we had helmet racks, we had all that stuff here. And so it was basically, you know, football central. And um, so for many, many years, that's, you know, this is where it was at. And uh, of course, we're called the Athens Bulldogs. So, Hence the dog pound, you know, we are, you know, we are the dog pound. And uh, so that's how that became. And then everybody, you know, Friday nights here is, is Friday nights, you know, football game. We have tailgate out back. We, right. have, food, we have all the stuff, you know, beverage or two. Then we go out front and we watch the game. We go over and get our 50, 50 or split the ball, split the pot, but our 50 game ball. We buy all this programs, you know, we, we do all that stuff and come over here and watch the game. Why, I, I guess one of the things I want to touch on here, and I'll address this to both of you, uh, Scott, I thought you did a great job early on in the book of kind of setting up the whole youth football uh, premise and why Joe was kind of a, you know, certainly an integral part of that. But, you know, Joe Burrow is as much about Athens youth, youth football as the reverse is true. Athens football is about Joe. And you couldn't have one without the other. You couldn't rebuild Athens football without Joe Burrow. And certainly Joe Burrow benefited from the culture there. Can you both kind of talk about how Athens, from what your research, well, Sam, obviously you lived it, and Scott, your research, how Athens you know, helped form Joe Burrow, the athlete? I mean, I'll, I'll start briefly and then I'll hand it off to Sam because uh, Sam's a co-author. But as you've said, I mean, he is an important figure in the book. And so, you know, he lived this. So I'll let him uh, bring this uh, to life. But it became clear to me you know, as I started talking to people in Athens County, I interviewed 
about 60 people uh, as I was researching the project. And many of them uh, were teammates of Joe, parents, you know, who saw him grow up, coaches who saw him grow up and not only football and but also basketball and baseball. Um, but it became clear that, it, yeah, Joe was central. And of course, he's the big name that came came out of that that group. But he had a great supporting cast, too. I mean, this was an amazing class of athletes. By the time they got through high school, if you count the girls as well as the boys, I think there were 21, 22 ended up getting college athletic scholarships wow. for a small school. That's pretty, right. pretty impressive. But um, yeah, I'll tell you just kind of one story of how I think, you know, Sam made a huge difference. He made a big difference in the lives of so many kids. But Adam Lorman, uh, you remember the Lorman twins, both of them went on. Uh, they were two Joe's favorite targets, along with probably Sakai Saltzman in high school. But they went on and played football at Ohio University. But in third grade, uh, you know, Ryan uh, was an athlete and, and he was a football player. And and Sam has has always said if they weren't running a, a wing T at the time, then Ryan would have been the quarterback because he was throwing the ball better than Joe at that time. Uh, but his brother, Adam, his twin brother, brother, Adam, wasn't so big on football to begin with. And he would sit on the sidelines and he wasn't sure he wanted to play. And Sam went over and talked to him and he said, hey, buddy, I see things in you that you don't even know that you have yet. You can't give this up. And of course, he becomes this excellent athlete at the high school level and in the college level, too. But I'll hand it off to Sam now. Yeah, I mean, that's true. Joey's, I mean, people say it right now, but you didn't see it then, but the it factor that Joey has and. uh he was one of those kids that, you know, he was real competitive. He wanted to be first in everything we did, no matter if it was a sprint or tackling drill or whatever we were doing, um, Indian runs when we do an Indian run, he, you know, but anyway, so we, he always wanted to be first. So, and then that, that class that came through with him was 12, 14 kids that came up in third grade that stayed together through 12th grade. And I've never had that before in, in youth football and, and all the way through high school here. So, and uh, like I said, I coached for probably 10 years prior to Joe coming to youth football. So I'd seen a lot of kids come through the system. And, uh, but that group right there as a whole at the time, you know, you don't see that, you know, but as a whole, that group was just, they knew what everybody was doing. They played baseball summer long, you know, they played football and then, you know, they played basketball, you know, on travel team. And so that group of kids, you know, they were staying at each other's house like kids would do for every, all, you know, all year long for every sport. So, the cohesiveness of that group that, that that grew up together, I mean, you, they knew what each of them was doing on the basketball court, on the football field, um, you know, and even baseball. They knew what one was going to do before they did it. Um, that that to me, you know, that's where I think that's where Joe got the it factor because, in my opinion, um, because of that, you know, they they just they stuck together for all that many years. I think, you know, one thing that a lot of Bengal fans see in Joe Burrow is precisely that, Sam, and that is the it factor. However you want to characterize that quality that allows him to slow things down or be cool under pressure, that is the it factor that Joe Burrow brings. And what I've noticed uh, in my, you know, last two years covering Joe Burrow and, you know, coming here from New England, having covered Tom Brady for so many years and people have asked me, what are the similarities you see, if any, between a young Joe Burrow and what you saw with Tom Brady over two decades? And I always say to them, it's the way he doesn't change when the game gets big or when the you know pressure is on. When we think the pressure is on, he doesn't change. 
he perhaps uh, becomes more focused, but his the essence of who he is and his personality doesn't change. And I think people are also wondering, with him in line for a huge contract extension, a very well-deserved contract extension for what he's meant to the city of Cincinnati and the Bengals franchise, I think fans want to know, is that money, do you think all of that money is going to change him or will that just be business and he will still be Joe Burrow, the same guy we've seen in the first three years and here in Cincinnati on the field? Exactly. I, I think you're totally right. And if Joe had to negotiate his own contract, he just want players around him. He, he didn't care about the money. I really, I really honestly believe that. Um, that's the type of kid he is, you know, young man he is, I'm sorry. Um, but in my opinion, that's, you know, I think if he was negotiating his own contract, this would be done and gone. And you'd have, you know, people were coming to Cincinnati now, um, you know, like before when he was going to get drafted, you know, Jimmy and I talked about this, you know, him getting drafted there. And I said, it'd be great for us, you know? And uh, I told Jimmy, the only thing I was scared about is everybody knows Cincinnati don't pay nobody. You know, they, they pay their quarterbacks, but they don't, you know, they don't, they don't pay nobody. And uh, so, but we've, we've ruled that out now. That's all in behind us. That's in the rearview mirror. You know, I, not to jump in here, but a lot of things have changed in terms of perception of the Cincinnati Bengals since the arrival of Joe Burrow. And I've, and that thought has crossed my mind. You know, did the Bengals change their uh, marketing, their branding to the public because of Joe Burrow, or did Joe Burrow help them change that branding? And, you know, it's the chicken or the egg, right? I mean, it's that kind of argument. But yeah, Scott, I want to ask you in your conversations with Jimmy and Robin, uh, Joe Burrow's parents, what impressed you about the indelible footprint that they left on, on Joe? and have left, continue to leave? Yeah, um, I'll answer that question kind of in a roundabout way, if you don't mind. Um, sure platform. I'm yeah, what is, one of the, <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, one of the guys, uh, Im important figures in Joe's, in Joe's life um, is Jeff Skinner. Jeff Skinner was his high school basketball coach. Jeff and I grew up playing basketball against each other. He's a little bit younger than, than me. Uh, but Jeff told me one time, you know, we all love we all love Joey and all that he's done for Athens County and all he's done for Southeast Ohio. But maybe the greatest gift that Joey ever gave us was the lifelong friendship that we have with Robin and Jimmy. Right. And that that really, I th think, communicates a lot. Um, everyone loves Joey Burrow, but, but uh, his parents are are unbelievable people, incredibly grounded. It hasn't gone to their head. You know, they're the same people. I mean, Sam, you can speak to this. I, it appears that they're the same people they've always been. And so even though their lives are very, very full and their life has changed dramatically with Joe going to LSU, uh, you know, Joe, Jimmy talked about how uh, Coach Joe just changed their lives forever by giving Joe that opportunity. They're just, you know, solid people. You know, Robin's a principal at a very small elementary school. You know, she's on TV on Sunday afternoons or on a, a Monday night uh, in New England or wherever it is across the country. And the next morning, she's in the bus line greeting these little kids. And a little kid come up and say, hey, I, I think I saw you on TV yesterday. And she'll say, yep, that was me, but I'm back now. <laughs> I don't know how she gets all the energy she has because she's burned it at both ends. But, you know, Jimmy's just uh, as kind and accessible as can be. They, they love to tailgate. They don't turn people away, you know, when they, uh, when people ask for a 
for a selfie, you know, for an autograph. So, I mean, you can, you can see why Joe isn't going to change because it starts with, with his family. Uh, and, and then the other thing I would say is, you know, how, how many NFL quarterbacks on Monday night when they're not playing Monday night football are playing game night with their buddies that they've been friends with since second grade, you know, he's, he's the same old guy. And when they get online and when they're in their group chats, they give it to him, you know, and he gives it to him back, you know, Joe's just Joe, right. He's not this NFL quarterback. And I think that's where Joe feels most at home. And that's where he feels very grounded, you know, in Southeastern Ohio soil. Sam. Oh, yeah. I mean, Robin and Jimmy are, um, she was the, you know, quintessential team mom, you know, my wife, uh, didn't show up for a youth football meeting. And, and, uh, when I took over the program and, uh, she got nominated head of the concessions and cheerleading. So I came home and told her the good news and she's going, what? I said, you should have came to the meeting. That's your fault. But now you're <laughs> head of concessions, but, and then she has to get these parents to sign up and work. And Robin was one of those. And that whole group there again, that whole group of kids came through with Joey. Um, great parents, you know, great backgrounds with those kids. And Robin was always the first one to sign up for, you know, concessions or, you know, fundraising deals that we're doing, you know, or whatever we're doing, you know, clean up afterwards. And uh, so, and then Jimmy, like I said, he was, you know, the defensive coordinator at OU and his office overlooked our field. And uh, of course we played youth football. Our, our home games were at Ohio University Stadium. They just got turf. So, you know, we played there. And, and so when Jimmy was in office, he would, you know, film the games or have one of his assistant coaches film the games. And he'd come to me and say, Hey, I got this tape of that last game. Do you want it? I said, yeah. I said, we have a camera guy that does our game tapes and, right. and uh, but he's more than welcome just to, you know, hand me, you know, what he filmed. So we get a different prospect or a different view from up top. And uh, so, but yeah, both of them just, you can ask him anything. And I was talking to him last night, actually at Jimmy and, and uh, so, but yeah, he's just, down to earth guy just like me and you sitting here talking right now i want to bring up this picture and show our audience that is jimmy and robin correct sitting with both of you yeah, yeah. Compound, right yeah yeah that's oh, it and, and mike let me just mention that uh sure. sam's daughter trisha took that picture and okay. she took all the pictures in the dog pound and she's the chief photographer for the book. Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm, so, glad you, I'm glad you got that due credit in there. For, yes. Yes. Patricia. So um, look, I mean, a big part of this book I find fascinating being an Ohio high school football fan is the both of you, um, you know, really uh, articulating and uh, documenting if you will, uh, his high school career. And it's it's kind of a legendary career. And I, I don't know maybe if this is, you know, exaggerating a little bit, but you do see some similarities in the growth uh, that he experienced from his junior or I believe sophomore year in high school through his senior year. And I, I want you both to kind of address, uh, we'll start with you, Scott, again, um, how important, how much of a crutch, uh, crux of the book is his high school career and kind of painting the Joe Burrow we see now today in the NFL that you guys saw in high school. Yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll speak briefly. I mean, Sam was right there at the dog pound watching every game. Right. And uh, that's part of the story, but uh, I mean, you definitely see an evolution 
uh, from Joe in youth football. I mean, Sam, you know, created an unbelievable foundation, not only for Joe, but for all of those those uh, those guys that stuck with it. And many of them talked about Sam in glowing terms and the sort of coach that he was, that he was he was tough. He's old school, but he was nurturing and he cared about his players and they felt that and they knew that. And uh, I think Sam's uh, coaching was very much about family. He said, you know, we we're family here. We can we can fight, but we will make up. And he, Sam would make them run around the field holding hands if they had a dispute. Right. And then right. They, they would they would then have to have to make up. But that idea of family uh, and brotherhood. And I know you also had some girls that 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 played. Uh, so family that started really, really young for Joe. He got integrated into Athens through sports. He became not only friends, but his uh, teammates yeah. were family. Yeah. yeah. And, and that, to me, carries up into middle school and to high school and all the way to the Bengals. You know, he sees his teammates as family and and he is an amazing leader and he can find a way to bring out the best in everybody. Uh, and I think part of it is because he sees them as a family member, not just as somebody, you know, who just happens to be uh, a teammate. You can definitely see that in the Bengal locker room. What would you add to that, Sam? Well, he would, um, I mean, as far as the sophomore, you know, the, the transition and growing up, um, we, we went to the playoffs one time, um, twice before he came here. Once he was, a, he was a freshman, didn't play. And, uh, maybe it was an eighth grade. I can't remember, but we made the playoffs and lost. Um, then the other time was when Ryan Adams was playing and he was the head coach for Joey. When he played in 89, we made the playoffs and got beat by the sales. So we went to the playoffs twice prior to Joey's, that, that group of boys coming through. His sophomore season, now he didn't play his freshman year. We don't play freshman here at Athens. Right. And that year we was lucky to have enough kids. You know, like I said, when you have 12 or 14 coming through, you add a few more, you got a football team. So our freshman squad went around and played and they got a schedule for them. And we played Wheelersburg. We played Ironton. We played, you know, we, we had good, you know, good talent and we beat them all. Joey beat them all, that, that group of kids. So his sophomore year coming in, he wasn't going to be the starting quarterback. People don't know that Michael Germano was the starting quarterback, and that was it. And he had to beat him out for the job if he wanted it. But Pete Germano, who was um, a coach at OU with Jimmy, he got a job at Fresno State with Tim DeRuder, who used to coach here years ago. And when Tim got that head job at Fresno, he took Pete, which there in turn took Michael Germano, which also the stars aligned. Here we go. The stars aligned. Joey got to start his sophomore year, and then that sophomore year we went to the, went to the regional finals and uh, ran into a tough, you know, Thurgood Marshall team and uh, regional finals. And uh, but you know, like there again, you know, learning experiences, you know, with a bunch of young kids and uh, um, you know, most of those Joey was a sophomore and it was might have been five other four other five other sophomores that played that year, and uh, then the supporting cast we had around it, you know, but um. That's where, you know, his growth really took off. And then um, Nathan White really put in the spread offense and really put in, you know, the signs and holding up the signs on the sidelines. No huddle, you know, hurry up. And, and uh, of course, there again, Joey and that group just excelled at that. And we've been we've – been, we started shotgun white double slots in fifth and sixth grade because of their ability to do what they do. And I had to really change my whole game plan of what, how I coached around Joey and this group of boys, because that's how much more 
mature as a football IQ wise and everything that they were. We just want to keep feeding them and make them better. We, you know, cause that's your job in youth football, keep them excited, keep them happy, get them playing time and teach them, you know? Well, I want to uh, wrap up here and uh, we're speaking with the authors, the co-authors of from Bulldog to Bengal, Scott Burson and Sam Smathers. Um, what is the impression you want to leave people with when people ask you, what will I learn about Joe Burrow if I read this book? Sam? Well, I'll, I'll start and let you finish because I, when, when I was approached by Scott and uh, doing this, um, I, of course, I got a hold of Robin and Jimmy and Joe and, and asked for their blessing first. And, and, and they said, sure, go right ahead, you know, and I wanted it tasteful and, and class, you know, and, and I wanted to be, you know, truthful and, you know, I wanted everything to be right up front, but I wanted it to be able to, a junior high boy or girl could read this book or, uh, you know, a sixth grade, you know, somebody, in, you know, in elementary school could read this book and really take from it that, you know, hard work and through, you know, adversity and some of the things that, you know, you go through and in, in life and, and young age all the way through, you can be here too. And so, and it, when Scott did a wonderful job putting this together and, and I was reading it as it was going on and, and when the final chat, when he sent me the final draft of it, um, I mean, I sat down and read it and I'm, I don't read many books, Mike, I'm telling you, I, uh, you know, magazines and stuff. Yes. But, uh, when I read the book through and through, it, it really hit me. I mean, it, mm. I know I, somebody, anybody can read this book and you can take any spot on the map in the United States, small town, boom. And, and you can almost pinpoint it right there and start it. Same thing. Go ahead, Scott. Scott. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Great job uh, there, Sam. As I said earlier, I mean, there, there, I guess there are two words that, uh, that are overarching themes for me. And the first is family that uh, I hope people feel uh, when they, when they finish this book, that, that Joe's a family guy and that family isn't just blood, but it extends to those guys in the locker room and the people that are uh, even the support staff, uh, the coaches, the support staff, he cares about every one of those, somebody that's working in the lunch line, the trainers, all those people are included in the success that, that, uh, that he's had. I mean, if you, listen to his Heisman, Heisman Trophy speech, he spends 31 seconds talking about Athens County and food insecurity. And right at the end, he says, you know, there's a lot of guys that I went to high school with and uh, they didn't know where their next meal was going to come from. There wasn't a whole lot on the table. You guys can be up here with me too. And yeah. that came straight from the heart, you know, so it's about family and it's also about hope. You know, I think Joe has given so much hope to uh, Appalachia, to Southeast Ohio, to Athens County. And, and of course, very few people are going to uh, become an NFL football player from from this area, but uh, you can be the best that you can be, right? And, and this is something Sam says that I recorded in the book that he's just as proud of the guy who gets up, you know, and and uh, you know he doesn't allow the challenges that that are facing him, and he gets up and he goes and goes and drives the forklift, right? And he just does the best that he can. He doesn't make excuses, and he makes a good living for himself, makes a good living for his family. Uh, it's just uh, he cares about that guy just as much as he cares about Joe Burrow. And that really hit me, Sam, when you said that, that really touched me because that that's a universal message. I yeah. think that can that can apply to anybody that's reading this book. Exactly. Exactly. Well, gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. I want to hold the book up again. There it is from Bulldog to Bengal. It's available, going to be available. Uh, correct me, guys, if I'm wrong in April. Correct. Do we have a release date yet? 
Yeah, I, it can. You can pre-order it now. Okay, uh, there you, you go. Yeah, either on uh, you can go to Amazon, you'll find it easily, uh, or you can go to the publisher's website. It's Orange Fraser F R A Z E R dot com, and you can pre-order it now. Uh, and it'll start shipping uh, from Orange Fraser in the middle of April, and from Amazon at the end of April. Outstanding. Anything else you gentlemen would like to add? We've got a couple of minutes here. If you wanted to make sure you get in something that uh, we haven't covered. I think we covered quite a bit here. Yeah. The, um, I, I, one thing yeah. we, live, I live in my, my front room or my kitchen. I can drink my morning coffee on Saturday and Sunday mornings and you can see the, the, the press box and on the back of the press box, they put Joe Burrow stadium. Well, during the, the playoff runs, they turned the lights from yellow to gold or to orange and for the Bengals right. and my wife and I'll call them looky loose because all day long, Saturdays and Sundays, people will pull up there behind the, you know, drive up the hill, get out and take their picture. And, you know, of, with that in the background. And I, I tell her, I said, like to have a quarter for every time I've seen that. And I just think it's awesome. There's that it factor again coming through. Yeah. Well, the last thing I, I will say, speaking of uh, quarters, um, hopefully it'll be more than a quarter to uh, donated to the Joe, Joe Burrow Foundation, because right. there are our proceeds uh, some of the proceeds from uh, the sales of these books that are going to the Joe Burrow Foundation. And uh, that was very important to both uh, Sam and me that uh, that we wanted to make sure that we were giving back to uh, something that is so important to us and also to the Burrow family. Very much. And co-authors of From Burrow to Bengal, Scott Burson and Sam Mathers. Uh, Sam Smathers, sorry about that. I want to thank you both very much for joining me and uh, have a wonderful 2023 season and all the best in the, all the best of luck uh, in the world for uh, book sales. I'm sure it's a natural, it's going to do very well. Yeah. Thank you. Hey, Appreciate your time. Thanks so much, Mike. All right. For the co-authors of From Bulldog to Bengal, Scott Burson and Sam Smathers, I'm Mike Petralia. Thanks for watching the initial episode of the 2023 Jungle Roar podcast.